welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on two games, Reese Haldane. Reese, how are you? Hi, brilliant after last night. I'm, I'm right up for it again. Wasn't it so... Wasn't quite the same after our growth, but aye, I'm looking forward to this tonight and should be a good one again. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, how are you? Great, thank you, Matt. Still on a high from last night. Uh, just, I feel like Brian Graham, just absolutely buzzing. Big smile on my face. <laughs> and rounding off our panel is Mr. 66%, although that may change later in the podcast. It's David Forrest. David, are you well? Hello, yeah, I am well. I am absolutely superb. A great night. Uh, yesterday and you know a, a, a fun day out on Saturday. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. We will go into last night eventually, but we'll start with Saturday's game away to a broth. Uh, the start eleven saw a couple of changes. Darren Brownley came in for Kevin Holt and Danny Mullen replaced Anton Dowds. Reese, when you saw that team, were you were you happy? I suppose Mullen or Graham was the the call. They went with Mullen after his goal. Air and then Kevin Holt being out was a surprise, and maybe it was a surprise he went for Dan Brownlee over McAvoy. What did you think of the team on on Saturday? Um, no surprises with uh, Danny Mullen. I was completely expecting Mullen to start, and, and rightly so. He deserved to after his performance at Air, and he, he done all right to be fair. He, made, he puts himself about. He, he puts in a somewhat decent shift. Um, in terms of defence, like you say, I was a wee bit surprised to see Brownlee back in. Nothing to do with Brownlee's recent form or anything. I think he's been all right and he's and he's came on to a game. But I just thought I feel like McAvoy has been quite was had been quite harsh harsh done to because it was it was good. Well, it was it was decent in his debut at, at home at Cove. Really good at Ibrooks and sort of been in and out of the team here and there, coming on as a sub and stuff. So I thought he would have started, but can have no complaints. Brownlee came in, took his chance, was brilliant. And just a shame for Brownlee that he seems to have picked up a knock because he was absent for the squad obviously last night, but. I um I was happy with the team overall. Yeah, I wonder if it was a if it was a home game we might have seen McAvoy. I think we've spoken quite a lot earlier on in the season about the type of game that suits Brownlee, and I think our broth is, is the perfect game for him. I thought I agree with Yuri. So I thought he was brilliant on on Saturday, and I'm lucky to pick up a knock. David, our broth away a a highlight of any season um, result aside. How was your day up on the the east coast? Yeah, it's always a delight going up to our broth early train up, and yeah, it was. It's always great fun, and again because you're sort of in that terrace and everyone's there, everyone's kind of on top of each other. It was surprisingly not as cold or as windy as I was expecting it. Um, if you were in the sort of shed, it was there was a lot of people there, and it was kind of warm and that. Um, the game wasn't the best, but I mean the fans were really up for it and you know everyone had clearly had a couple of pints in the commercial whatever before and I was just in generally a very good mood at being up at Arborof but yeah I had I had a really fun day the game the game I said the game wasn't the worst game I've seen this year by any stretch of imagination but it was no by no means the best either. Heather what did you make of the performance then on Saturday do you think that was a good point we've sort of famously struggled up at Arborof in the past but we have beaten them a few times this season do you think that was that was a good result, a good performance, so should we get more out of that game? I feel it's hard to complain about a point at Arbroath when, as you say, before earlier this season, I'd not seen a win at Arbroath since I was four years old. So it's hard to say, you know, you're disappointed there. But equally, after the way that we had performed against Rangers, you did. I did think that if we were able to go, you know, and take them to 85 minutes, surely we'd be able to find something um, against our prof, especially as David said, the weather was very un prof like I feel like we had a lot of the kind of, like the, we won a lot in like our middle part of the pitch, but really struggled to make anything count in the final third. The crosses that were coming in were often just going straight out the park. Corners were either over hit or under hit, hitting the first man. I think actually, and that our bro fans were quite gutted to not get more from the game. I think they felt like the referee was quite well strict on them, lenient towards Thistle. And I think they they personally felt like they had quite a lot of the chances and the kind of bigger moments that maybe came more from our mistakes rather than anything they created. I think had Dundee last night not gone so well, I would have been a bit more critical of the overall performance. But I've got my Dylan glasses on right now. So I just feel like, oh yeah, like, you know, it was a point and Dylan's got seven points, can't complain. So I do it was a disappointing performance, maybe in the fact that we didn't get something, but we we made up for it and then some last night. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing with draws, isn't it? It really depends how they're sandwiched between other results. And if you're sandwiched in a draw away to a broth between two good away wins, it, it, it looks it looks much better. Reese, do you want to come in on the performance on Saturday? Yeah, I completely agree with uh, what you're saying, Heather, and, and I agree with you, Matt. Like, in isolation, I know Dylan came out and after the game he said it was a good point, which I don't really think it was in isolation. But when you, as you say, you look at the bigger picture, seven points from nine, Dylan's biting your hand off for that. We're all biting your hand off for that. When you look at the run of games, three away from home against two teams up there at the top of the league with us, and obviously our both are struggling this season, but a point away from home up there, and they've, what was it, they only won one game there all season, so it wasn't the best, and I don't I don't think the performance was too great either. It reminded me quite a lot of the Hamilton and Cove games at Fur Hill recently, where first half especially, we seemed to have a lot of the ball, but any time we went forward, got near the final third, the final product was nowhere near acceptable. It was really poor, and it was just, it almost seemed like a waste of time. I think we could have played for another another set of 90 minutes and, and got nowhere. It was it was really bad. So, uh, you could even say we were lucky to get a point towards the end because our both were piling on a wee bit of pressure. Jamie Sneddon had a couple of hairy moments, but we got it in it. We hung in there and got the point, and ultimately, it's, it's worked out to be an all right point, and it keeps us in the picture. But yeah, that's my, my general consensus of Saturday. I thought we were decent for the first half hour. I thought we were we could have been a goal or two. I think Gasson's made a good save from Milne. And I think we had another couple of chances that didn't hit the target. But the first half hour I thought we were good and we were controlling it and not really giving our growth much. Obviously that completely changed in the second half. And I think it was a poor final forty five to sixty minutes from us. But in the past I think we would have conceded a goal. I was sitting there at the sort of sixty five, seventy minute mark going, Wow, I'd take a point at this point. And to get out with it with a point, I think is a good sign because in the past, I think we would have probably folded and conceded a goal. And I think I said on Saturday that it's possibly the worst clean sheet I've ever seen a professional goalkeeper keep from Jamie Sneddon. He was really trying his best to, to make it interesting. There's three ins- three moments he had off the top of my head. One in the first half where he came out of his goal and could have given a foul away and then he had the second half where he made a sort of unconvincing save onto the post and then like one squirm under his body later on but um, yeah I think it was a good point I thought Brownlee and Muirhead uh, were really good Muirhead in possession was was poor but defensively I thought they dealt with our both really well I think we're glad like to give Muirhead a shout out uh, just for the last week or two really because he's had three different defensive partners now you know he's a total away at air Brownlee up at our growth and McAvoy last night in Dundee and he's he's looked comfortable in defence and he's sort of talked each partner through the game and is, as we saw our growth his weaknesses maybe distribution or at the moment it's distribution but defensively I think he's been brilliant and deserves a bit of praise. See, see out at the beginning of the season if you started off and you had Muirhead, Brownlee, Tunji and all the defensive options that we had Kevin Holt the one you would say would feature the least would be Muirhead. He came in as a bit part player and he, and he had a bit of work to do to get into the starting lineup. He's probably featured in 90, 90 plus percent of our games. Um, so for him to be a regular, it's testament to himself. And and I know I know we always say it, and it was pretty brutal to watch him shell out the park and shell into the keeper's hands so often. But that's just Muirhead for you. He's always been Muirhead. You're never expecting him to go and start dribbling out for the back. He's just a no nonsense centre half, and I think he's been. He's got his limitations, but for what he is, he's, he's been good recently, and I completely agree. David? Much like what uh, you have all said previously, I thought that it was a bit of a paradoxical game and that I thought we were lucky to get a point, but I thought our bro were terrible. They they don't look the same side as they were before. I know that's an understatement, seeing as they're, what, like 9-10 for the moment, but they, they used to be so like rigid and like, they were a really good unit and they worked really well together and they... they they kind of limited stuff and they were good at kind of catching you in the break and stuff like that. And I thought they were just hatchet men. I thought they, they, they were really, really poor flying in tackles, just being a different sort of stodgy from what you expect from our bro. And I think it, on fairness, it doesn't say much about us that our, our, our bro, if anyone was going to win it, it's probably going to be our bro that deserved it. But I thought our bro were really poor. Um, as were we we were a bit fortunate to get the point but that makes it all the more sweeter to be honest and as you say I think you know in previous months you know years we'd have, we'd have probably folded especially at our growth and it's a testament to the likes of Muirhead and Brownlee that they are able to keep a level head and I mean Snedden you mentioned there Snedden had some very very shaky moments one of his shakiest performances I can remember 
in a long, long time, really harking back to the Harry Stone days when him and Stone were just kind of interchanging and having a cock up each week between them. Like it was, it was an uh, uncharacteristic, characteristically shaky performance from Sned, and it really was like something from the start of last season, as opposed to you, you've seen a lot of growth in him over the last eighteen months, and. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting that, that 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 happened. But again, you know, take the point and go with it because again, as we said, we could have played for an hour and probably not scored anyway. So take the nil nil. To be fair, Sned, I think that probably is his, his worst performance in the season, and he still managed to keep a clean sheet. So he probably deserves some credit for that because I think before then he hadn't really done too much wrong since he got put back in the team. He'd probably been one of our better players for the last three or four months. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the, the Dundee game. Some some more positives to talk about. Uh, another couple of changes to the team. Conor McAvoy came in for Darren Brownlee and Brian Graham came back into the side for Danny Mullen. Heather, were you happy with that 11 when you saw it last night? Yeah, definitely. I was really happy. Like Reese said, I thought Conor McAvoy de- deserved a start and he looked really good the, at the Rangers game and in the other games that he's played as well. So I was happy especially when after hearing about the fact that Holt will be out and obviously the with Brownlee it's it was great though I did think to myself that if it did mean that Dylan wouldn't be able to do what he did last time when we went 1-0 up to be able to bring another defender on I was thinking we'll maybe bring Hodson on as like a sweeper or something but I did think maybe that tactic was out and I thought it was good to be back to Graham. We all know that he hates Dundee and he's always up for these kind of games. The, their defence suits a Brian Graham. I also feel like the way that, I mean, we talked about the fact that Aaron Muirhead's distribution on Saturday wasn't the greatest, but the way that we are playing with, you know, piling big uh, balls up to to our striker, I do think that obviously is suited to Brian Graham more than Danny Mullen. I was happy and I thought it was the the best 11 that we could have on the park. Though we obviously know that Danny Mullen played very well against his old team a while ago. So I guess in some ways it's a bit harsh on him, but pleased, pleased with it. And uh, I thought we started really well. What was the key for you, Reese, last night? Why did it go so well? Just the, the willingness of the team. I felt like we were first to every second ball. Um, I'll, I'll speak on him in a wee minute, but I, I just thought Rostock. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant all night. There was an instance in the first uh, first half I remember um, where there was a Dundee player and there was two Thistle players who were closest to the ball, and Doc sprints past the three of them to take the ball himself. And I'm just thinking he's right on it tonight, and everything. I don't think he's put a single foot wrong. He was excellent, and I think that just I, I know it's we're, we're skipping ahead here, but I remember the second half he came on. He ran, the team ran out the second half. Doherty was sprinted to the, the centre circle. Doherty was at the halfway line before the rest of the team were on the park. And that just sets the tone as a captain. He was right up for it. And I felt like Turner, Banzo, they all followed suit. And we were just excellent. We were right on Dundee from the first whistle, um, pretty much to the last. And it was it was a really good performance. I thought everybody was really good. Um, and like I say, credit to McAvoy coming in because it, it can be tough coming in and and same from your head with the, the back back four changing every week. Um, I thought they were outstanding. Obviously, Dundee are going to pile on a bit of pressure, um, and that did come. And we stood we stood strong to it. So it was it was a really good performance all over the park. I don't think there was really any failures. Um, like you say, it was it's a wee bit harsh for Mullen to lose his place. And and the thing with Brian Graham is when he comes in, Graham can be as for as much as we love Graham, it can be absolutely honking for for a good five or six games. But he's so streaky, his goals come in bunches and hopefully now these two have came and, and he can just follow suit now because we've got a we've got a really important running coming. If Graham can hit form at the right time, then then we're laughing. We really want to watch with that. So uh, everything looked really positive and that can often be our downfall. I think I watch a lot of games and I think we don't look up for it. We're, we seem a wee bit lazy and we're always getting beat to the, the second balls, but I couldn't say that at all last night. I thought we were, we were right on it. Everyone was, was excellent and you know, you leave that game and you're just like that. It's one of the nights where I'm just proud to be a Fissel fan, isn't it? Because it was funny, like, you're almost waiting for the Dundee fight back because it's happened twice already this season. They've, they've first game, they came close, and then ultimately in the second game, they took the win. And at halftime, you knew it was going to come. And the onslaught did come, and, and we stood tall. And when they got that goal, it was obviously we went 2-0 up, and it was like a fire drill in the, 
in the dairy, um, and they all came running back when they got the 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 what proved to be the consolation back. But by the time they all got back to their seats, Harry Milne had put the ball in the net, and what a goal that was! That was. I feel bad for Harry Milne as well because that was the first game at Hill when they beat us three two. He should have had two that day, and, and Graham got a, a stole one of his goals. I can't believe Tiffany was almost about to claim that one, and probably still is claiming that one on a lot of betting sites and stuff. So I was was really pleased for Harry Milne. He was outstanding yet again. So not not a single failure in the team. Pass marks all around, and even Sneddon, like I almost missed it, but that save he made when when we went three one up from Yakubiak, the strongest hand I've ever seen. So I'm very pleased, and what a massive result for Dylan now, like. Right now, in this point in time, this this guy's the limit for Dylan because they're still unbeaten, and you've played, as I said, two of our promotion rivals. That's just been a problem all season. Though we're beating these promotion rivals, faltering against the Whitten Boys of the league, and it's frustrating. We mentioned a million times how poor the championship is, and if we could just sort that out, then who knows what can happen. But only disappointment last night was not to keep a clean sheet, but getting greedy at that point. Yeah, you've made lots of lots of really good points. Every so go right back to the start where you said we're talking about Ross Docker. I'm on the the Thistle archive again, and I'm looking at their their points per game total. And out of the whole squad, out of any player that started a game this season, Ross Docker has got the highest points per game rate at 1.91. The three below him are Kevin Holt, Brian Graham, and Scott Tiffany, who have all been well, the top four of them have all been missing at points this season. But I think that shows just how key Ross Docker is. When when he plays, we have the best chance of picking up maximum points and I think you made a good point about Jamie Sneddon as well just maybe a year or two ago after a shaky performance he, he wouldn't have recovered but after a shaky performance he's making key saves at vital times so good signs all round. David what about you what was your take on the, the performance last night? Yeah much the same I wanted to mention actually the the Sneddon save from Yakubiak was such a good save that even Yakubiak went over and congratulated him on the save. He went up to him and patted him on the shoulder and went, well done, mate, and walked away. So that shows you how good the save was, is that the guy who hit the shot went and, you know, went and was like, fair play, that was a great save. But, yeah, I thought that everyone to a man was absolutely brilliant yesterday. Docherty was really, really good. I just thought that it was very similar to the Dundee game at the start of the season where we just went for him. And it just felt that, like, a, a lot of the criticism we've given about the team this year is that, under McCall, we had a way of playing. When If you figured it out, that was us done. We couldn't do anything. And Dundee had the opposite problem, where they just could not figure out how we played. Um, they, they just could not get to grips with it, and they were all over the place trying to um, stop us. We were offensive. We were really good getting up the park. We were going for them straight from the beginning, and... We looked at when it went to one nil. You could see they wanted to kill it off. You saw how much it meant to them as well to go one nil up. And when he went to two nil, you know, pandemonium in the stands. Um, and when he got the, you could tell you could tell how much they were desperate to hang on to it as well. For when the Dundee goal went in, like Sneddon and a couple other players were absolutely raging to have conceded the goal, but they didn't let the head step and they, you know, they went right up the park and scored the third goal. And it is an it is a brilliant goal and just one of the best performances I've seen from us in a, in a long, long time. I'd say in terms of performances, it's, it's got to be up there with the performances of the season. It's apart from maybe, I don't know, Dundee in the first game of the season and maybe the Inverness 5-1. Those are probably the ones that I'm thinking are, like you, you know, the ones that are up there. But it was a, an exceptional performance from them at a time when it mattered, which is not something we're used to as Fissel fans where when it, it gets to the crunch, we pull out a performance like this. And yeah, I, I just thought everyone was really, really good yesterday. Um, there was not a single person who had a bad day um, for me. And yeah, just it showed, it showed you how much they're up for it, how much they want to do something this season and how much they wanted to get it up Dundee, to be honest. But uh, yeah, absolutely wonderful seeing all the fans leaving at the, the, the usual dairy fire alarm. Um, it was absolutely wonderful. I'll, I'll never get old. Absolutely love it. David, a, a total tangent here, but this has caught my eye on the Thistle archive. Uh, which current Thistle player was born in Rhode Island? Oh, um, oh, I know who this is because his dad is a Super Bowl winner. Or Mark's mentioned this like three, four times. It is... Um, oh, 
fuck. I, I don't I don't even have the program with me. Um it's not you are right about the you are right about the super bowl. I, <sighs> so it, it's Mason McCready that it's what is. you try to work out his terrible audio. Born in two thousand and three, that's sickening. Anyway, back back to the Dundee game. Heather, what was your take on the performance? Well, I think one of the big things for me was actually the fact that we managed to limit them to quite to not very many chances at all. I thought in the last times that we've played Dundee, at certain points we've been cut open. And I do feel like under Doolin, we haven't been so easily spread. And even, or even when we have been, we've been able to get back in numbers. And I just do feel it was a bit more of a desire there. I think, I mean, I think a lot of fans have talked about the fact that it's a shame, really, the fact that the way those those two home games earlier this year have gone, because if we'd got points there, then who knows where we would be in this in the table. Um, I thought Connor McAvoy was brilliant, and um, I think a word for Aaron Muirhead as well, in the sense of you could see that he was coaching McAvoy through the game and just keeping him in. And I, I mean, I, I for one, criticised Muirhead quite a lot recently about the fact with you know the the red card and stuff and I feel that he has gone a a wee way to get back into my good books for uh, the way that he before like he he was yesterday I think it's hard to not mention the the Brian Graham tackle I feel that could have changed a lot of things you know one I think we're just one nil up and if that had been if that had been a red then I feel that would have changed the game and just changed the way that um that Dundee attacked the game but glad for us it wasn't and uh, and I think that just spurred us on really. I also have never seen Thistle for a while concede a goal and then immediately go and score one. I think that's a great I mean that's a, that'd be a great habit to get into in the sense of if we have to concede to be able to respond immediately I'm sure we've talked in the podcast before about the fact that we do struggle if we go, if we lose a goal or if we go down we struggle to come back I think it was just maybe I I just I just love the mentality from the players St David mentioned that just there was a real desire a kind of connection with the fans which I think Doolin has has brought and just it was it was just lovely to leave dense of a big smile and just see how angry their fans were which is always uh, a bonus I think uh, Scott Tiffany's goal at Ibrox might have given the team a bit of belief that they can they can score right after conceding. That might have been the difference last night. Uh, Reece, David Anderson has asked, are we good again? Well, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, well, good against them. We were nice and compact and obviously got the result. I thought we were mince against our broth and, and back to our usual self. And then last night, I thought we were brilliant. So in typical Thistle fashion, we're good one week and and dreadful the next so it's you've caught us at a good time uh, and I'll answer that question probably I in this moment in time but come Saturday my opinion will change again no doubt so uh, <laughs> there's no real way to answer if Partick Fizzle are ever really good it comes and goes I, I think for the last three games we've been we've been competent and I think competence at that, like as simple as it sounds goes such a long way in the division we've spoken a lot this season about how poor the league is and we've not capitalised on that due to conceding stupid goals, not taking chances. But the the last two and a third games, I think we've been really competent, even, even defensively in our growth. We were we were solid, and if we can just keep that up, you know, the, the league's not great. I think if you're solid, well organised, you have a plan and you follow it, you're going to be hard to beat. You start to come back in. Uh, one thing that I was just thinking earlier on, though, the difference between now and last season is. If like if we were to finish in the playoff positions, last year we came fourth, and you've got an absolute mountain to climb finishing fourth anyway if you're trying to get promoted. But we almost kind of went into the, the playoffs by the skin of our teeth at the end of the day, and you went into Inverness and you weren't really expecting too much, and and we ended up getting a bit of your doing over the two legs. This year, if we go into the playoffs, I'd quite fancy our chances against whoever we who if we came fourth, I'd fancy our chances against third because you look at all of our results this season, we've done well against the promotion rivals, and it's, as I say, it's the it's the lower end of the table that we're not really making making it count. So if ultimately we do finish in the playoffs, then I think it could be a could be a right tasty this year. So it's one to keep the eye on. David, um, Alan McMillan and Liam Kane have both asked about our title chances. Uh, we know that you are the the sixty six percent man. On the podcast, Darren has also tagged the podcast in a, in a tweet where a, a simulator has has ran tests and found out that even as it stands after the last week, we've only got 
a 2.6% chance of winning the league in Queen's Park or about 67% likely to win it. Uh, do you agree with that simulator? Are you going to challenge it? It's interesting that you ask me about the veracity of a computer simulator the day after we went to Dens Park. You, of all people, will know that I've spent several months uh, playing FIFA as Dundee or in a daft uh, career mode where I've signed lots of stupid players. So I would say if we were to believe computer simulations, I'd have been sitting at Dens Park yesterday like Sir Alex fucking Ferguson watching Gonzalo Higain. And Luis Suarez is knocking them in. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any credence in the words of computers. We, you know, we are, we're, a, we're an analog team here, and we are, we're here to, we're the glitch in the matrix. Sixty-six percent. Final answer, Chris. Are you as optimistic as David Heller? Do you, do you give us a sixty-six percent chance of winning the league at this stage of the season? I, I, can't, I just can't, David. I'm sorry. I, I back your. <laughs> I back your optimism and your belief and I do see myself as a as a look on the bright side person but I can't see it I mean if you talk to me about uh, a potential of the playoff then I'm with you but winning the league outright I just think with unfortunately the, the performances uh, before us which where we drop points just have come come back to bite us but I mean I'm not saying we're not going up I'm just saying I think it might be a bit more of a colourful journey. I, I would be surprised and disappointed, I think, if we didn't make the playoffs at this stage. I think second is well within reach. I thought it'd give us a really good chance of getting second, which, as we know, gives us a much better chance in the playoffs. You play a game less. I, I just think, I, I think I said 2 or 3% before the air game. I'd maybe give us like 6 or 7% chance just now. I just think 7 points in 10 games to Queen's Park. Um, is a lot. I think I said when we had 13 games ago, we need to win 10 and draw one. So we've had our one draw and we've won two. So we're looking at eight wins out of the last 10 games. It's definitely doable. I'm sticking at six to seven, six to seven percent. I think it's unlikely, but I think second is a is very realistic. We're only three points off Dundee. The the main concern for me about QP is they have six home games left out of ten, which is a bit of a worry. I didn't realise that they had that many, um, because I don't think we have that many. But yeah, they've got like quite a lot of home games between now and the end of the season. But you know, you have to live in hope. Queen's Park have actually they've actually got similar home and away form. Um, they are the second best home team in the league, and they are the they are the best away team in the league. So I'm not sure how much difference the, the home form will make. Because I think before, the last time we played them, I think a few Queen's Park sporting fans said when teams sit in against them, that's when they struggle the most. Um, and when the game's open, that's when it suits them. They have had quite a few emphatic victories away from home. So you never know when it gets to the end of the season and teams are sitting and scrapping for every point. You know, Queen's Park might find it tough, but no, I still put us firmly in the, the underdog bracket at the moment. Heather, do you think seven points and nine changes anything for Chris Dolan? Do you think he should get it to the end of the season? Do you think he should get it for any longer than that? What are your what are your thoughts on the situation at the moment? I think I did clarify recently that I am a Chris Dolan stan account. Uh, he is the the best the best thing in the world to me. So I'm maybe a little bit biased, but I would I would say till the end of the season I'd be happy if Chris Dolan I think that it would only be right for the club and everyone involved in it to assess at in summer. I think we obviously we've talked quite a lot about the fact that players are going out in summer. We haven't all got the contracts, etc. I think but I do think the the feel good factor around this club right now, so much of that is down to Chris Doolin and just the way I mean, last night fans chanting his name. He gives the fans a wee wave and a wee clap, but he takes no glory himself. He, you know, you saw Brian Graham beating the chest, everything, clapping along to his own song. He loves that, and I just love the way that Chris Doolin is just so humble. And I just know that he'll be giving so much to this job. So I would say for me, end of the season, I think Jules deserves it. Any further, I think there'd need to be a lot more conversations going on. I think it'd be a little bit blind just to say yes 100% give Dylan the job for the rest of his life Reese, do you agree? 
Yeah, I said that a couple of weeks ago. I feel like if Doolin can get through these first couple of games, it puts himself right in a good position to get the job. Um, and right now, if part of me still says still, it's a wee bit too soon. But if he gets a result at the weekend, we, we win against Rafe. And is it Morton we have after that? If he beats Morton, then there's no complaints from anyone. Like I say, I don't think there's any Fissile fan out there who wouldn't want Chris Doolin to be a successful Fissile manager. So if he keeps this up, um, then definitely. And right now, regardless of, of what happens between on Saturday and, and then and the, in the not-too-distant future, I think he will get the job to the end of the season. Um, it's, it's too late to bring in someone now. Um, and obviously a lot of the talks about Lennon and him having tax cases and stuff out there. So I think Dylan will get it to the end of the season um, and then there'll be a review come the summer. Um, but who knows where we could be. We could be a premiership side. We could miss playoffs. There's a lot of stuff to go in between. So it'll be exciting regardless. David, firstly, can we name this episode Neil Lennon tax case just to, to get a listenership up? And secondly, what are your thoughts on the, the Chris Doolan and managerial situation? Well, I, I, good to see um, your new job with the, the Glasgow Times on the Daily Record is really working out. But um, yeah, I mean, I the thing is, is that some, the first archive put up a stat about how um, Chris Dillon has had seven points out of from away games this season and Ian McCall get 10 um, from his away games this season as well. There's nothing he could possibly have done more to really deserve the job he's done absolutely brilliant and you can see it in the players you can see it in the fans um you know everyone is sort of a united front and i mean we saw how you know the sort of the misstep that they made in firing mccall the day of the rangers game i don't think the the board would be um i think they'd be a bit reticent to try and bring someone else in during this wave just ride the wave um, you know, I mean, like, it, there's not it, if 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 it all you know collapses or whatever, it collapses. It's no different from if we were with McCall or if a new manager came in and didn't get that new manager bounce. Because to be honest, we're on a good run at the moment. If a new manager was to come in, what are they bouncing from? They're bouncing from a good run. Um, you know, it's not necessarily that it's going to improve what we had before. So, yeah, as long as as long as a good run is still going, there's, there's no reason why you would ever get rid of them. And I think. I think we owe it to Chris, to be honest, as for everything he's done for the club, to give him until the end of the season and try and do something. And if it happens, fantastic. If it doesn't, you know, he, he's he, again much like with McCall, he'll have left us in a better place than he would have when he when he came in. Yeah, I, I think that the finances will probably dictate that Chris Dolan gets it to the end of the season. I think we said a couple of weeks ago we think he probably will. Even though it was a, a risk to give him in an interim position, I think the risk has paid off just by the start he's had. Uh, we'll, we'll ride the, the wave of positivity, as we've said for the last couple of weeks. Hopefully that will get us to the end of the season. I, would, I wouldn't I would be giving him an 18-month or two-year deal now. I agree with you, Heather. I think you, you just give him it to the end of the season and then you reassess at the end of the season. I think that's a sensible thing to do. You could give him a contract now and we could lose our next three or four games and then we're, we're back sort of in a corner where our backs to the wall. So I think you just give him, give him it to the end of the season. It's, he's sort of under no pressure at the moment and, and keep it that way and then we can reassess at the end of the season. I think that's the sensible way to go. We'll look ahead to Saturday's game now. We are at home to Wraith Rovers. Reese, do you expect many changes to the starting eleven for that one? Uh, nah, I don't think we'll make any. I think we'll go with the, the same team again, um, and deservedly so. Well, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that everyone's came through unscathed, because um, that would be my team. Um, just go for it again. Graham's in good form. The defence played well. Midfield were excellent, so aye, no no changes for me. And Reese, you're still atop of the, the drawers or draw predictions league. Do you want to kick us off with with your forecast for Saturday? Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a bit more emphatic this time. Um, we're we're going to win three one. I was about to say three 0 but I'm going to say three one. Aidan Conley will get a goal. He's he's been in great form. So three one Jags. David, what about you? Team team selection thoughts and prediction. I really liked the team yesterday. Um, it's probably the team that went with. Um, if we were at full strength anyway, outside of maybe Holt being in, 
I don't I don't see any reason to change it. We were really good just you know, keep keep the momentum going. And again, I'm really excited to see what we do at Firhill. Dylan's first game at Firhill as manager with that team after the back of that result. They'll be really up for it. I think you just go with the same team that you've got and work with that. Prediction? Three nil. Fissile. Well, Reese is on twenty five points for the season. David Gior's closest challenger on twenty three. Jamie is on 21 points. If David can work his magic, here's Jamie's score prediction. Back in the Dills run to continue. So I'll say 2-0 Fissel. Get on a clean sheet. And I'm languish, languishing behind on 19 points. And I will predict I'll predict a, a 1-0 Fissel win. I think it'll be a good atmosphere. I'll go for a 1-0 Fissel win. I'll back us to keep another clean sheet. Heather, on Saturday, Partick Thistle and her game two will be marking International Women's Week and you're involved with that. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it. So firstly, the club announced last week that we are officially, we officially have a partnership with her game two. Ourselves, Hearts and Montrose are the clubs in Scotland who have got a partnership with her game two. While Partick Thistle are the only club in Scotland to have an ambassador which embarrassingly is myself, um, so I'm not to take my own trumpet, but uh, I think that's a really a really cool thing to be able to say. So on Saturday, we will be launching our Her Game 2 partnership, so throughout the concourse and in the girls' toilets and just around the stadium, you will see quite a lot of posters which um, have got the QR code for the Her Game 2 website and for information about it. For those of you who don't know what Her Game 2 is, it is an organisation which is run by female football fans. It's something they volunteer to do and it's just a campaign to ensure that women feel welcome and respected and equally treated at the football. It's something that's seen as a really positive and it's um, a way for um, females to be included in the club's plans to create awareness and uh, develop community ties and just make sure that there is a place for everyone uh, which I think is something Thistle fans I feel are such an individual and um, incredible creative being and I just feel this is a super thing for our club to be involved in. Um, on Saturday uh, there's going to be uh, some pre-match things going on and um, we have got from about quarter past one will be in the Aitkin suite and there's going to be I mean everyone's favourite there's going to be some badges my mum's made tablet and uh, cover- and decorated it for her game to uh, paraphernalia so if you're quick I think there's I think she's made 30 or 40 so if you're quick you might get that I mean typical like classic Rangers style we've got a face painter as well so um, I'm sure there'll be some jokes in there um, but um, and it, sure we're just really um, but we're going for just like an and it's just uh, a kind of social time for females, but also just males who are interested and want to know about it and just want to show their support for it. Um, so we'll be in there from quarter past one until maybe about half two. And then uh, it's really exciting. There's going to be, I think, I think it's 15, but I might be wrong, 15 mascots on Saturday, all girls um, or mostly girls. And um that's going to be fantastic. We've got our female announcer. Um, I, I know obviously in the John Lambie stand we do struggle to hear, but um, in the Jackie husband you'll get a nice clear a clear voice there. And uh, I think the, some of the girls the girl, the girls from the um, the ladies team are going to be doing things in hospitality. They're going to come to the Aitkent Suite as well, and they're going to be doing um, some other things. Like they're going to be doing player zone afterwards too. So it's just a really positive, hopefully a positive experience for um, people. We're trying to encourage if you have, you know, someone who you may, a female who you maybe would like to bring to the football and it's maybe not always their favourite thing, that this could be something that they feel welcome and included at. There'll be T-shirts for the people who are involved. They'll be wearing T-shirts so they'll be able to come and chat to you. And um, we're just hoping for obviously a positive day on the pitch but also just a positive ethos throughout it I just want to say as well it's been something that has been so supported by many people and that's been really really appreciated I think it would be something that you know over the last few you know years like you know going back like 10-15 years ago this might be something that just maybe wouldn't be possible for female fans and um, I just think it's such a, a great thing to be involved in and 
just proud that many people in our club can really see the benefit of it and understand that maybe as female fans it's not always to be I mean you know to be the constant minority in somewhere is quite a big thing so um I think it's important that we are that we're supporting this and it's not just for girls or whoever it's it's for everyone to be educated involved and included great stuff David yeah, I, I just wanted to come off the, the back of that because obviously you mentioned about the women's team being there, Nate can sweet and stuff like that. I think it's really good that they're doing it this weekend as well. I mean, the women's team are kind of at a big point at the moment where um, they are free games in the top six. But as well as that, on Sunday, um, it's completely free to go to the Fissel women's game. They're trying to get as many people down just to give their support and make a wee bit of noise just to push them on. Um, against Aberdeen at Peter's Hill. I believe it's one o'clock at starting, but it'll be really good to see them up at the Aitken Suite and stuff like that, kind of speaking to people and hopefully get a few more people down um, on Sunday for that game. And yeah, the, the whole initiative is fantastic. I, I, I absolutely love it. It's it's a great thing and it's great they've got you being the ambassador, Heather, because I don't know anyone who's more happy, cheery, smiley-faced um, at Fissel. Um, possibly only happy, cheery, smiley-faced person at Fissel half the time, but yeah, it, it's great It's great stuff, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it on Saturday. David, I hope you're going to come and get your face painted. I, I was thinking, could I get my face painted like um, like Sting at the wrestling? I was I was very tempted no. by it, I'm not going to lie. Um, but what <laughs> era of Sting, I don't know, but we'll see. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. No, um, you've, got, you've got to go animal, David. You've got to go tiger. <laughs> tiger. I, I, I'll make sure they are paid, though, absolutely. Speaking of the women's team, David, earlier this week, caught up with the Thistle midfielder, Cara Henderson, ahead of Sunday's big game against Aberdeen at Peters Hill. Now I'm joined by Party Fissel women's midfielder Cara Henderson. Cara, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. We've got you on just because obviously it's a big, big game. The Fissel women's team against Aberdeen on Sunday. Um, it's, you know, the, the battle for top six is on. Uh, we're currently sixth in the table at the moment, but you know, a point ahead of Motherwell with three games to go. Cara, how is the mood in the, in the team? How are you feeling about the game? Are you buzzing for it? Yeah, so, so, so excited. You know, I think we're in a position that we really wanted to be at the start of the season and it's in our hands as well, which is good. And um, yeah, we're all just absolutely ready to go. And, you know, we've got a big week, we've got Rangers in Aberdeen and, you know, we're really looking forward to the challenge ahead. Definitely, yeah, because you've got the, the Rangers game away um, on Wednesday. I'm always curious, like obviously the Rangers Celtic in Glasgow City, they are a level above the other teams, no disrespect to anyone else, but they, you know, they're professional yeah. teams and, you know, they're all getting paid for full-time wages and stuff like that. How, what, what's the sort of men- mentality? How do you, do you, do you play differently against those teams? Like, do you have a different thought process going into those games from, say, playing, I don't know, Hearts or uh, Glasgow Women or anything like that? What, what's your motivations in those sort of games? Um, I mean, I, of course, you know the challenge that you face when you're playing a team like them, because um, they're always at the top and they're always batting at the top. But one thing Brian always says is, you know, we've got to have belief and we've got to believe that we can go and we can play our football. And you know, at points this year against the teams we've done really well and we've done our football, and um, it's you know it's come off. But you do need to, you obviously you know the threats that they carry. They're full time. They're quick. They want lots of the ball. So although you do adapt, we also want to impose our game on them. And I think that's why. I really look forward to when we play these teams. It's a challenge that, of course, if we were to get, when we get top six, you know, we have to do, and I think we'll do really well at doing that. You can definitely see it. I mean, I, I absolutely love uh, watching the women's team. I rate it every chance I get. I absolutely love it because I, I, th- I feel that you, you absolutely do. That's one thing that you do do. You, you do put your imprint on the game and you, know, you, you play your game as opposed to getting sucked into their game and, like, you know, other other teams. You know, I, I remember speaking to um, the announcer, um, Benny Ferguson, and he was telling me that, you know, that there is a a bit of a reputation, of, you know, of just you know, you remember playing Fissel. That's that's the the key. You remember a game against them. It's not one that you kind of walk in. It's a routine, you know, and three points and end up the road. Like it's it, 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 
you do remember it, and I absolutely, absolutely love watching the team at the moment. There's so much fun to watch, yeah. and just generally that you, you can absolutely see it's a Brian Graham team. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and you know, it spells that because it's in women's football, it is a dynamic. You know, the team play in a way that you don't really see that much in women's football with other yeah. teams, and it's really refreshing. And I absolutely love it. Um, but the Aberdeen game on Sunday. Um, I mean, we're going all out for this. It's free entry, so everyone who can make it along, obviously go make it along. We want a big crowd there. How important is the crowd for you? Like getting a big crowd, how big is that for you? Yeah, it's so important. It's been. I feel like this season we've had the great support um, at all of our games, and so it's been absolutely amazing. It's like um, it's extra motivation. It's you know you feel it when you're on the pitch when you you, you can see the people, and I I think Sunday's going to be huge. I think it'll be a really really good. Um, game as I said the girls are all ready for it you know we know what's at hand um, or at stake sorry and you know the more people there the better the better the day will be and you know I think it will be really 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 good so I would definitely get along. I, I agree I think that like I, I mean you look back at the either the Scottish Cup semi-final last year um, mm-hmm. when we took a big big back and how much it meant to the players and they, they, they rose their game for it. It's evident. I mean, it's, it's human nature, isn't it? It's you, if you get Absolutely. people taking you on, it's that it's that extra yard of pace that you don't get if you you know you're, there's nobody there. So no, um, definitely I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope we do bring a lot of um fans down, especially like against an Aberdeen team who are kind of yeah, I believe they're like eight eight for ninth at the moment, so they are. They're in the same bracket as ourselves. Like, it's going to be a, yes. t- a tough game. I mean, what were your thoughts on Aberdeen the side this year? Like, what what were your? Do you have any memories of the game uh, up there earlier on the season? Aberdeen are a really really good side. They've they've shown for a couple of years now that you know they're really tough to play against. They've got so many good players, so we know that it's going to be a real challenge on Sunday, and it's not one that we take lightly at all. Um, because even though they're in eighth or ninth, they're still such a good team, and they could easily easily be further up than they are at the moment. So it's going to be a really good game, and that's why I think you know for the neutral coming to watch, it'll be really enjoyable. It'll be a good game, and it'll be a really competitive game. But as I said, one that we're just absolutely looking forward to. Definitely, and obviously, the, you know, try to get into the top six before, uh, before the split. The Fissile men's team, the top six season, was one of our best seasons in you know, the decades, uh, our highest uh, league finish. What does it mean to you to get a top six finish in your first season with this team as well? It would mean a lot. I've absolutely loved my time here. I think the girls have been, and the coaching staff, we've all been outstanding all season long. And I think it would be a great achievement for the club and for us as players. And and you know what? It's the exact place that you want to be in. You want to be fighting for stuff at this point in the season. You want to be, you know, in the battle for top six. And from where we are as a club, I think it's a great place to be. Yeah, no, I I, I think it's, it's everything that I wanted when I came here. And I've been blown away by the club as a whole, but also obviously the team too. Absolutely. You know, we, we always joke on uh, the podcast about the men's team that the beauty of supporting Fissile is that, generally speaking, every year they're fighting for something. It might be <laughs> fighting for a title, it might be fighting to avoid relegation, it might, might be fighting for the playoffs, but there's always some sort of fight and challenge that they're kind of rising to. And mm-hmm. it's good to see that, um, you know, the women's team are kind of grabbing that mantle because, I mean, it, ultimately, if, you're, if you are a, a competitor, in general, mm-hmm. you want to be pushing yourself. You don't really want to be sitting and comfortable in your place. You want to be pushing the boundaries and getting more out of it. And mm-hmm, um, absolutely, you've you've had a, a great season. You know, in terms of you know you've set up, you know, some very important goals and assists and stuff like that. I mean, like your penalty. I mean, we mentioned the Aberdeen game earlier. Um, you were the one who won the penalty to get us the point up at Aberdeen and obviously mm-hmm. he scored the winner against Dundee United and you've also committed for next season as well 23-24 um, yeah. was there anything in particular that made you that you thought I have to just commit for another year? I think it's just as I was saying earlier it's the, the team and the club are outstanding and I've really really enjoyed my time since I've come in and I've definitely thought that the coaching staff and the players have really pushed me to become a better player than I was when I joined and I love the challenge and as you know we said the the, the fighting for top six the constant battle um I've loved it so it, you know what it really was an easy, easy decision and um, I'm looking forward to a strong end to the season and being better for next year as well. The defeat to Hearts in the Scottish Cup a couple of weeks ago was obviously a bit disappointing considering you know, we got to the semi-finals last year. But you, you can just see from the team that there is an ambition there, which is really, really encouraging to see. That's more the, the thing. Is I, I really enjoy watching the women's team. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's always good fun, and it's always, you know, it makes you remember why you're a festival fan, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, for sure. So it's always it's always great fun. So I mean, who who's your best pal in the dressing room? Who who are the sort of figures that you look up to, and you know, the people that you speak to the most? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I sat next to Jordan and Leah. Um, so I would say that, that you know it's always funny and then obviously but like we sat across from Doc, Demi, Shez, Rachel, uh, Rachel Kim, Megan's there as well so like there's co- there's constant jokes it's actually a really funny dressing room to be in to be fair which I was surprised at because um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't realise how funny some of them were but I don't know I don't know who my best pal is I would say that I would like to think they're all my friends there's definitely someone who listening to this podcast absolutely student you didn't say their name absolutely. I feel like I, I feel like I should go around and say the full team now I feel bad <laughs> maybe they're... <laughs> they're all funny every one of them is funny and fantastic and brilliant there you go there we go we'll have the diplomatic answer <laughs> there you go and what's been your favourite memory of Thistle this season so far what's been your your favourite game oh that's a tough one there's been a, to be honest, I've got to say I've enjoyed a lot of them. To be fair, the the one 0 ones against Motherwell and Dundee United and Aki's, I really liked them because I thought the team just dug in so well um, to defend both those games. But the the sort of more free flowing games, like uh, the most recent game against Glasgow Women, some of our play was really really good. Um, obviously, Rachel's hat trick was outstanding as well. So I don't know. I feel like there's loads, but if I was going to choose one, I would probably go with um, probably. I I personally enjoyed the 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 Aki's of the Dundee United. I don't know that I'm not just saying that because I scored, but I thought I thought the 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 team really dug deep in both those games and they're important games. So I'll go with them too. I wasn't that one. I was at the other Aki's game at New Douglas Park. Um, that was know. a really good game actually. I was that was really really good that day. We played good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. There was like you were playing with a bit of swagger, and you can see it in Graham as well when he's. When Craig puts out the videos of Graham on the dugout or whatever, or you know, like he's giving these um, Darvel-esque changing room team talks, um, <laughs> he's you, you can see that when like when he can see goals in it, he's 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 got his tail off and he's he's raining for it. It's great fun uh, watching, and that's I, I think that's it. You don't want you don't want to be a Sean Dyche's Burnley or you know some really <laughs> awful defensive part of the bus side that wins every game one 0 You want to have a wee bit of flair and no fun about it and no definitely sure. like, there's been a few of them but um, thanks again Cara for coming on Um, as I said you know Sunday it's a huge game down at Peters Hill kickoffs one o'clock Peters Hill free entry uh, to everyone they're really looking for a big support again three games to go one point ahead of Motherwell I think you and Motherwell have the same opponents uh, Aberdeen Dundee United and I think you have Rangers and they have Glasgow women is that right so uh, Glasgow City uh, I think yeah Oh, Glasgow City, so they do, yeah. So it is, it is really finely poised and, uh, you know, the the sort of equal levels in terms of all three games. It's not... Um, For sure, yeah. You know, so it is really in your own hands and it's it's a proper dogfight and that's what you want to see as a fan and as, as a player, you know, a proper dogfight. And, um, yes, yeah, so as I said, so the, the support of the fans um, on Sunday at Peters Hill is going to be huge. So if you can make it down, you know, absolutely do. Again, it's free entry. You know, families welcome. You know, everyone welcome. You know, sing, chant, everything. You know, it'll be great. But yeah, but thanks again, Cara. Um, good luck for Sunday and for the rest of the season. And hopefully, no, thank you. you. Once we've secured the top six. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Going to Partridge Festival. Can I depress everybody out for a minute? Because there's something I wanted to talk about. No, and I really please do wanted... because I didn't want to go from that straight into Partridge Festival. So please right. do. So this is quite a serious subject, and I want to I want to apologise because it's going to really bring the mood down. But I was so fucking pissed off at this yesterday that I had to bring it on. Uh, when I was going to the game yesterday, I went on Manpreet's bus. It was a great time, you know, all good laugh, whatever. Um, and then went to the pub or whatever and then I walked by myself went with my pal Jack but he we got lost we separated from each other and I basically walked up by myself so I was walking up uh, by myself 
and there was a bunch of about 15, 20 people, young lads, I think is the way to describe them. We're all sort of teenagers, early 20s, whatever, a couple of Stone Island badges, whatever, um, walking along and all that. And they were giving shit to people in Dundee. And you know what? They're, they're young guys, just, you know, being macho dickheads, right? That's fine, right? Um, that is what happens to football fans or whatever. But the one thing I noticed is they started singing, they started singing a chant, right? And I would like to say straight away, this is a, a direct quote. This is not something I would ever say in my own life. And I'm saying this to quote it. But they started singing about Dundee, Hoors, Puffs and Junkies, right? About basically everybody from Dundee. And I couldn't believe it that there was like young Thistle fans just shouting homophobic chants in the street in Dundee. I could not believe it. And obviously, there's like 15, 20 of them all steaming, probably, you know, had a bit something else or whatever. And they were behind me a wee bit, so I didn't really catch who it was. It's not people I knew or anything like that. I just walked past them. I heard them on the way back or whatever. But I just wanted to mention this because, I mean, I speak to lots of people in the pub about the podcast and stuff like that. And lots of people listen to it. You can see the figures and stuff like that. Not every Fissile fan listens to it. And this isn't me blowing my trumpet or whatever. There's a good possibility that one of them listens to this podcast. And I just want to say that is totally fucking unacceptable. And if you sing that sort of stuff, you are fucking pawn scum and are not welcome at this club if you are singing homophobic chants. Interestingly, didn't sing it in the stadium because they probably knew they'd get chucked out or that they get shit from people. But they were perfectly happy to do it out in the street when there was nobody else out to, you know, not another group of people to give them shit. So I just wanted to mention it on here that they can go fuck themselves and should not come back if that's the way that they're going to be. Yeah, I, th- I think, like, the, the Thistle Away supports have been, like, on the the most part brilliant, but there's one or two unsavoury chants in the last year or two. I think the Goodwillie one at Wraith, and obviously you've heard that, David, and I, that needs eradicated. And, that, and that's the depressing thing, is the support were yep. so good last night, our both air, they're all so good at the moment, it's just that, yep. it's fine. I know, we've got, so, we've got so many great songs, we don't need it. I know. Anyway, Partridge Thistle, David, we have corrections to issue. I have a question for you. How did we manage to go an entire chat about who would be great for Death in Paradise without mentioning Mr. Martin Clunes? Oh, but no, I, I, he was in my original list. He's too was ITB. He? Right. He, he's ah, too ITB, fine. that's the problem. It's, well, it's like when Lionel went to the Premiership, you know, it <laughs> just doesn't work. Okay, he, he, he would be the perfect dream at Death in Paradise. I agree. Casting. Right. Anyway, this week's Partridge Thistle. Um, who is the most Alan Partridge-like figure currently in the public eye? Maybe this shouldn't be a Partridge Thistle because would Alan Partridge ask this question? Anyway, we're probably looking too deep into that. But who is the most Alan Partridge-like figure currently in the public eye? Ed, I will start with you this week. I really hoped you weren't going to start with me. <laughs> um. Oh gosh. Well, see, I went. I was thinking like Michael Stewart. Someone Ooh. who loves the sound of his, you know, his own voice and loves to create an opinion just for this. I don't know. That was my that was my take. I like it. I like it. Reese, any raise on Michael Stewart? Well, got a bit of a revelation. I don't really. Don't say mm. it. Don't <laughs> say it, Reese. Don't. Say <laughs> this could be this could be a suspension from the park. <laughs> I don't know too much about the character of Alan Partridge himself. I've never really watched him. I get the general consensus. I know it's Steve Coogan and stuff. I know about it, but I don't really know too much. But if I'm thinking along the right lines, then I think that um, Gary Boyer has a bit of the Alan Partridge about him, the Dundee manager. Even last night when he's like, I don't know, there's just something about him. Like He's over up the, the Dundee crowd and stuff and then just gets put in his place uh, after Sir Chris Dillon. So... He'd be my answer. Um, might be Miles Affett, because I don't really know too much about what Alan Partridge really is as a character, but I, I'll stick with that. David, Reese has slandered Alan Partridge. Please save this segment. I spent my entire uni years religiously watching I'm Alan Partridge over and over and over again, so this is just an absolute slight on my character here. Um, but I, I went I went 
through a lot of things. Obviously, you've got your Maidleys and your Edmonds. I mentioned to you in the chat that there was a guy who I used to watch a lot of shopping channels when I was a student, because that's the sort of thing you do when you're a student. And uh, there was a guy who was a big Alan Partridge fan who just took on the persona of Alan Partridge. And he used to throw in lots of phrases and quotes and stuff like that. There's an amazing video of him trying to sell stuff and being told on air that the the, the, the shopping channel had been liquidated and had went into like um, liquidation on air and he just totally loses it and he's just like, we can't sell you this at all and just, uh, it's very, very funny. Um, so Andy Hodgson of Price Drop TV is, uh, is the, the real like real life partridge, but I, you can't look past Richard Madeley. Richard Madeley is so, so partridge. I think the other one would be Mor- Piers Morgan is very Partridge, I think, but in different ways from Richard Madeley is really weird. But I think Piers Morgan has got a lot. Of, he's a very tragic, tragic man who clearly has a high opinion of himself. And I think I think I'm going to go with Piers Morgan for this one for me. Right. So so firstly, David, uh, once when we tweet in Facebook this episode out, please do share the the shopping TV channel man in, in the in the comments below. My problem with Madeley is I think Madeley wants to be Alan Partridge. I think he's looking for the wee Partridgeism so he gets himself clipped online. <laughs> and the thing with Alan Partridge is he doesn't think he's been weird. He thinks he's been a serious broadcaster. So my shout for Alan, the most Alan Partridge like figure is Jeremy Vine. This guy thinks he's so serious, right? And I, I'm like pro cyclist. I think the roads getting about cities, getting about towns should be very easy for cyclists. All about cyclist safety. This guy is not helping cyclists in any way. Have, you, is, have any of you seen the videos that he is editing, putting music over, putting words into himself of like innocuous road incidents while he's on his bike? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I've seen one today as well. Oh, no. <laughs> In the video of him leaving his house with like a fucking lighthouse trapped to see. <laughs> oh dear. So just you know, from saying that, I'm like, well, you know what? Michael Stewart is often looking for the like he wants to be quoted, he wants to be a thing. So I'm thinking, is is Kenny McIntyre a better shout oh, because that, he's just yeah. useless? I mean, <laughs> he has he has put sports in. He has killed it. I used to love open all mics, especially when I lived in Glencoe. Um, and like obviously couldn't get to many games and it was and it was and it was just a lot of fun and um, he just oh let's talk about VAR for the 17th time in this program and oh the Rangers and oh it just drives me loopy and I mean Rangers and Celtic weren't even playing it was when it was the day of the of the march and Rangers and Celtic uh, no one was playing we, the championship was the main thing they kept on saying we're going to go to Fair Hill soon and like hear about this but let's talk about our Rangers a, a VAR decision that Rangers didn't get like 17 weeks ago. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> so actually I'm changing Kenny McIntyre. I can get right in the bin. Kenny McIntyre is a great show. I think we'll have a Twitter poll about this between McIntyre, Maidley, Morgan and Vine. Jeremy Vine on Radio 2 as well. Be like, it's a sort of, oh a, if you've heard, it's like a sort of phone in, but he also plays pop music. So he was like, they were talking about, uh, street obstructions the other day for blind people and he read out a blatantly ableist text from this woman and then he went oh ah well here's Tina Turner <laughs> it's absolutely out of control it's like the BBC Radio 2 at like half 12 in the afternoon oh the no Matt, you, you've unlocked <laughs> a bad memory in my head right because I used to work in an office job right and I, I I despise commercial radio. I I despise it so much. I like I like something. I like the music that they play, but I hate adverts. I just cannot handle it. Right. I, so I always put on BBC uh, radio, and radio two is usually a good sort of midway point. And the, the older people in the office can they've got stuff. The younger people will know some of the older songs. Like it's it's a good compromise. You can't go full radio four or anything like that, and you can't go radio one. So radio two is a good compromise in the middle. So we I used to put on radio two quite a lot in the work. And like every every afternoon, every fucking afternoon, I'd be in there and Jeremy Vine would be on and he'd be like, what do you think about litterers? I think we should hang them. Thanks. And then just move on to like fucking Depeche Mode or something like that every day. And it would just be like mad, mad things like 
he's obsessive. He was obsessive bringing back the death penalty for so long, <laughs> and it's like, mate, I'm just trying to eat my roll and work. And you're like talking about like, you know, I think there was that was around about the time as well that they had that remember that documentary, the execution of Gary Glitter, and <laughs> yeah. that was him. His oh. dander was up for about a fortnight <laughs> after that. It's uh, the absolute worst. Is oh, <laughs> I have become I, quite have ironically similar. obsessed with Jeremy Fine on your gories. I've, I've got a similar story, the exact same, David. I used to be a joiner and I remember I used to work and that would, I would my dad would always listen to BBC Radio 2 and it would come to lunchtime Jeremy Vine would come on and it was the most depressing topics every day after lunch it'd be like oh we've got someone who's calling in who they've lost all their sight and they're looking as they can get assisted suicide and I, I'm not trying to hear that to be honest with you like fair enough people have plates and stuff but not every day come on man cheer it up a wee bit uh, ju- just to finish this Radio 2 section, um, justice for Kendris. I know. Thank you for listening to, to this week's Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back next week to look back on our home game against Wraith and to preview our trip to Capital. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay safe.